If you'd like to follow along with me today, our scripture reading comes from Proverbs. It's in chapter 2, and I'll be reading verses 1 through 8. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Thanks, Ty. Let's pray. Father, as we uh, come before you in worship today, uh, we come thankful. We come thankful for the opportunity we have to gather as a community of faith, Lord, uh, to learn not only from your word, but to learn from each other and each other's perspectives, Lord. And Father, we're mindful that even as we gather for worship this morning, um, there are those in our world uh, that are gathering in fear, fearful that someone may come in and arrest them or, or harm them because of their faith, Father. So we lift up Uh, those believers around the globe that are facing severe persecution just for their faith. Father, we're thankful that we live in such a context in which we can can worship you uh, without those fears. So, Father, we pray that as we approach your word this morning, that we would be approaching you, and that you would speak to our hearts, uh, that you would open our eyes, that you would reveal things not only about ourselves, but about you in a way that we may not have seen before in a way that transforms our lives. And we pray all this in the name of Christ. Amen. In the the book of 1 Kings, there's a a really unique passage. It tells a story about uh, a young man who was uh, being crowned uh, king at a very tender and a very young age. And this young man had really big shoes to fill as the king. His father, King David, was really the the quintessential king of the nation of Israel. He was known to be a man who was after God's own heart. Uh, He had tremendous military victories. He led the nation into one of the healthiest and most beautiful spots in the history of the nation. And then he passed away. And he left this great nation to his son, Solomon. And Solomon, no doubt, was nervous. How could he live in his father's shadows? How could he imagine or begin to fill his father's shoes? And he was nervous about being the king. God, knowing this, comes to Solomon and offers something to Solomon that really he offers to no one else in Scripture. And it's very, a very unusual thing. But he says to Solomon, Solomon, I will give you anything that you want. You simply just name what it is that you want, and I will give it to you. I will grant that to you. So Solomon, after uh, no doubt a few minutes pondering how to answer God's request, he says this. He says, Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this your great people? Solomon doesn't ask for wealth. He doesn't ask for military strength or ability. What he does is he asks God for wisdom. 
You know, life presents us with all sorts of choices every day, an infinite number of choices every day, many of which we just make unconsciously, uh, many we don't give much thought about, we just make those choices and go on about our day. But often life presents us with more profound choices, big questions about our life that we wish we had wisdom for, things like, who should I marry, or, or what major should I specialize in, or what job should I select, or how am I supposed to parent these kids that God has given me? And we wish we had wisdom to answer those questions. But the Bible talks about wisdom in those situations, but it talks about it much more deeply. Because wisdom isn't just about a tool that helps us to make really good decisions. Wisdom, as the Bible talks about, really is a way of life. It's beyond just knowing things. It's this it's great marriage between knowledge, between kind of an emotional aspect, the will, and it's all these things wrapped up together that help create a wise way of life. And over the, past, over the next couple of weeks, what we'd like to do is look at a book in the Bible that talks all about this thing called wisdom. A book called Proverbs that is traditionally attributed to this man, Solomon. Solomon started out in in a very wise way about asking God the Father for wisdom, and his life is very interesting. But as he writes this book at the end of his life, this book called Proverbs, he really divides it into two sections. The first is chapters 1 to 9 that just go on these kind of lengthy discourses about what wisdom is. And then starting in chapter 10 through the rest of the book, he gives us little sayings or little proverbs that try to encapsulate this thing called wisdom. But he communicates it in a different way. Rather than being really straightforward about his teaching, the book uses instead metaphors and imagery to show us what wisdom is all about. It doesn't take a a linear approach, but it shows us pictures about this thing called wisdom. But there's something even deeper that's going on about this book. Solomon, instead of writing some sort of theological treatise, he writes wisdom in the form of a letter to his young son. There's a very intimate and familial characteristic to how he writes this book of Proverbs, how he writes wisdom that he hopes his son to accept. If you go to my house, you'll know that there's, a, there's a, a very precious item that exists in my house. It sits in my office right now, and it's a baseball. It's a baseball that, that's encased in glass, and the baseball has lots of signatures all around this baseball. And it's a, it's a, there's a Donahue family legend around this baseball, and the legend is, uh, dates all the way back to 1966, which was the last time the Baltimore Orioles, or not the last time, but the first time the Baltimore Orioles won the World Series. And as the story goes, my grandfather was at one of the games in the World Series in 1966, and he managed to get a ball in the stands. And in order to celebrate it, he and all of his friends that were with him that day signed that baseball from the World Series. Of course, at some point, he took that baseball and he passed it down to uh, my father, his son, And at some point, my dad gave me that baseball, and I have two sons at home that both eye up that baseball every day, wondering who is going to get this baseball out of the two of them, because they both love baseball. 
Well, this is the sense that you get from the book of Proverbs and Solomon. Wisdom is not just a possession, but it's something very dear and something precious that Solomon wishes to pass on to his son. And as he communicates what wisdom is all about, he uses powerful images to point, the, to point his son to the concept. And some of the images he uses are the images of paths and actually the images of women. He talks about two paths and he talks about two women that will be encountered upon when you walk along this path. And of course we know that many people throughout human history have compared life or the journey of life to a path. Emerson said, don't go where the path may lead, go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. Thoreau said, pursue some path, however narrow and crooked, in which you can walk with love and reverence. And of course the most famous is Robert Frost, who said, two roads diverged into the woods and I took the one less traveled. And that has made all the difference. You see, Solomon sees life in a very similar way as these poets do. He sees them as two distinct paths that are outlined right in front of us. The first path is is called the path of wisdom that Solomon talks about. He says there's a very wise way in order to live life. There's a wise path that we ought to follow. From it comes knowledge and understanding. He says in verse 7, it is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. And on this path is a woman, and that woman, according to Solomon, is named Wisdom. I don't know about you, but I've certainly noticed this, but I don't know if you've ever noticed how many things in literature and in history and culture tend to center around women. We've all read uh, Homer's The Odyssey, right, in, in high school or in middle school, And you read about the Trojan War, this war that lasted for 10 years where many people lost their lives and there was brutal violence all over the place. And all of it was what? It was about a woman. I can remember finishing that book thinking all this was was really just all about a woman. But history tells us the same thing. Think of Mark Anthony and Cleopatra. Uh, Laura Sieberman wrote, wrote a book called Wicked Baltimore and she tells in that story about how uh, uh, the, the, the empire under Napoleon Bonaparte was almost split in two because of a family conflict between Napoleon and his brother Jerome. Now, what do you think that conflict was over? It was over a woman, a woman from Baltimore named Betsy Bonaparte, whose, whose gravestone you can still go and see at Greenmount Cemetery. See, all of us men understand because we know the crazy and silly things that we have done uh, for women in the past. But perhaps Solomon knew that the best way to garner his son's attention, his young son's attention, was to describe wisdom as a woman, a woman that you ought to pursue after. He says, on this path of wisdom, the lady wisdom will cry out to you. She invites you in to dine with her. She invites you in to form an intimate relationship with her. And what Solomon says is that on this path of wisdom, when you encounter this woman named Wisdom, it will lead to life. 
Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. Proverbs 9 tells us that she's been around. This lady wisdom has been around from the foundation of the world. It says that she is of infinite value. Worth more than any money or any treasure that this world has to offer. She cries out, whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread or disaster. See, as you read Proverbs more and more and you learn about this, this, this way of life, this way of wisdom, and this woman of wisdom that you encounter on this path of wisdom, you begin to discover that this path, nothing more or nothing less, talks all about life that is lived in infinite, in infinite, intimate relationship with God Almighty, who is the very source of this thing called wisdom. It says in verse 4, If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. The way of wisdom or the path of wisdom starts and ends in a relationship with God himself. But Solomon also talks about another path. And he calls that the path of the fool. It is a, it is a path that is dark and crooked. And that path also, also has a woman on it. He calls her the woman of folly. He says in chapter 9, The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by who are going straight on their way. The woman of folly wants to be dined with as well. But in the end, Proverbs tells us there is only death in her presence. He, the fool, does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. So if the path of wisdom is a life that's lived in relationship with God, then the path of folly is the opposite. It's a life that is lived in independence from God. A life that is lived in disregard for Him and for who He is and what He has done. You see, what Solomon wants to do, what he wants to present his son at this very tender age is really the most important concept there is in life. He wants his son to contemplate which path he is going to walk on with his life. And the same question whenever we read the scriptures is posed to us as well. Which path of life will we choose? Or even a better question, how do we know which path we are on with our lives? There's two really scary passages in the book of Proverbs, at least scary in my mind, and these passages say that there is a way that seems right to a person, but in the end, that way leads to death. See, the reality is a life that's lived in independence of God, a life that's lived in sin, a life that's lived in rebellion, intrinsically trusts in itself to make life work. And that way seems so right to us. Trusting ourselves to get through life, being our own gods, trying to earn our way into heaven seems to be so right. 
But in the end, what Solomon says and what Proverbs tells us, that it is foolishness. And in the end, it will lead to death. Proverbs 3, uh, verses 5 and 6 say, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. We've thought about that verse often when it comes to little, to little decisions that we have to make. We need to trust God in the little decisions, and that's very true. But there's also a cosmic sense to this passage. Because what it's saying is there is a way that seems so right to us. A way that leans on our own understanding. A way that tries to make life sense, makes, make sense out of life on our own. A way that is lived in independence of God. But in the end, that way only leads to destruction. The truth is, left to ourselves, we will always walk the path of the fool. You see, Solomon understood this at a very tender age. It's why at that very tender age, he said to God, I need your wisdom. In humility, he approached the Father saying, I by nature am a fool. I will by nature walk the path of the fool. That is why I need your wisdom from above. Because the wisdom that we need is not something that's inside of us. It only comes through a relationship with God the Father. The New Testament, as you read on, gives an even clearer picture of this thing called wisdom. Because in the end, it boils down to not just what our relationship is with God the Father, but ultimately it boils down to what our relationship with is, is with His Son, Jesus Christ. See, Solomon spoke about this path of wisdom that brings life. And then Jesus said in John chapter 14, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. What Jesus is saying here is he's saying that that path of wisdom that Solomon talked about thousands of years before Jesus even lived, that path that wisdom, the path of wisdom that Solomon spoke so deeply about, Jesus is saying that he is the very definition of that path. Jesus is the very definition of wisdom. And what he did is he came to redefine wisdom to a world that had pursued foolishness. See, Paul says something very powerful in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says about Jesus that the wisdom of God is actually folly to mankind. The path that Jesus took of, of taking on skin, of becoming one of us, of sacrificing himself on behalf of his people, the world looks at that and says it is foolishness. How could a king come and sacrifice himself for his people? It is utter foolishness. But what Paul says is the wisdom of God appears to be foolishness to mankind. But the path that Jesus took, the path that led him to the cross, was the very path that brought life to you and I. Judging by the standards of the world, it seems so foolish but in actuality, it is the very path of wisdom that we can walk on. And the only, way, the, the only way that we can be confident 
that we will ever experience life and ever experience life to the full is knowing that he followed the path that required him to give up his very own life for you and for me. So the question before us this morning is whenever we read Proverbs, whenever we think about this life and whenever we think about wisdom is the question of where we are on those paths. Is our life committed to this path of wisdom that ends in life, that ends in a relationship, a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ? Or is it the path of the fool? Many will continue to live independent of of, of God. Many will continue to live a life of foolishness, independent of a relationship with Jesus Christ because it is a path that seems so right in our own eyes. But God calls us to walk a different path. He calls us to walk the path of wisdom, to dine with Lady Wisdom, and to walk with Jesus, trusting in Him with every essence of our very lives. So as you sit here this morning, as you contemplate this idea of wisdom, ask yourself this question. What path am I on? Is my life more characterized by living according to my own plans and according to my own wisdom? Or is it lived in relationship, intimate relationship, with a Savior who gave everything, including himself, for us? Because a life lived in relationship with our Savior is the only true path of wisdom, and it is the only true path of life.